Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, listeners? This is Pat the Talking Bearskin Rug, and we've got a bit of a retrospective for you to close out the year 2015. It's the holiday season, and trying to get everybody together around this time of year never quite works out. So we wanted to give you a little bit of a recap, and if you're just tuning into Flame On, it'll give you a little bit of a feel for what we do here at the show. So you get a couple of bits and pieces of some interviews and some segments that we've done in the past year. And in addition to that, in between, you'll also hear some of our top picks for our favorite things of 2015. So sit back, enjoy, and make sure to subscribe to Flame On on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. And we'll see you in the new year. All right, so New York Comic Con. Let me just talk a little bit about First of all, Super Week. If you don't know what Super Week is, it's the week leading up to Comic-Con. During that week, all over New York, there's geeky events. Uh, we were this, part of... This is the second year it's been done. So yes. if you haven't heard of it, don't well, feel too bad. No. This is only the second year that they did Super Week. But also, nah. if you're outside of New York, unless you're just there like we were for another thing, you're not going to necessarily go to New York for this. So it's mainly for locals or people who come in early for the show. But we, I, we were part of two events. Uh, of course, I mentioned the Flame On uh, Comic Book Bears thing. This is the second time they've done the Comic Book Bears one that they brought uh, us on. Uh, and, you know, it was fun. We interviewed Derek Marks, who did the 120 Minutes Indie Comic Zine. I've talked about him before on the show. Um, when we went to Heroes, I met him. Uh, that was fun. We had Chris Cummins from Sci-Fi Explosion. He did a interesting presentation about Marvel. No, I'm sorry, Marvel. Mar- Archie Comics. And all of the inappropriate and uh, ridiculous elements of it. Did you find out when uh, Sabrina Five is coming out? No, he wasn't. Then you did nothing. He was not <laughs> from Archie. 
He was a independent. Did you guy. say hello to Dan Parent? Yes. Did you ask him when Sabrina Five is coming out? <laughs> Dan does not know these things. <laughs> You're a liar, and you you did nothing. I didn't ask him that. But what I will say is, if you guys want Kevin Keller, I'm jumping around. Please ask Archie. Kevin Keller right now is in limbo. Not that it's not going to happen, but Archie is sort of dragging their heels, or there's some things. Dan was very clear about wanting because he started it. He and he, he wrote and penciled, and then Jay Bone is, I think, the uh, inker. And they've announced it as part of the Kickstarter thing that fell through. Um, but they just haven't put it on the schedule. And, you know, we want more Kevin Keller. I mean, he's the gay Archie character. Let, let's, let's keep him out there in the, in the universe. And he's in the Archie comic. What do you comic. think Jughead is for? He's, well, <laughs> oh, we talked to Erica Henderson about that. And mm-hmm. I had forgotten she was the penciler on it. So oh, I was like, what else God. are you doing besides Squirrel Girl? And she's like... Jughead and I'm like oh yeah but Chip Zdarsky and uh, Erica Henderson both are doing that Erica did show us a very nicely rendered uh, male in well, I forgot what character wasn't he a wrestler no oh who was it Adam X oh, oh, oh Adam X oh, oh. the triple extreme as she uh, dubbed it on uh, on the sketch that she did but it, it was it was really funny and, and kind of kind of well done Doubling back to yeah, Kevin yeah. Keller, get on social media. If mm-hmm. you are a fan of Kevin Keller in the Archie Archieverse, get on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, tweet, post ad, post on their wall, send a message to Archie Comics directly. We want Kevin. And let them know. I mean, hashtag it, you know, give us Kevin or something. Like, come up with a cute little hashtag. I we ain't doing get on shit that. until I get more Sabrina. <laughs> <laughs> Give you us had, Kevin. You had an issue like five, five months ago, right? <laughs> so, uh, although he was there too, uh, uh, Akasha, mm-hmm. and I think uh, Bill from Comic Bears talked to him. I don't know if he asked him that question. I, I didn't see him. Anyway. Akasha from the first season of RuPaul's no. Drag Race? I, I chose to pay him no attention. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, side note, speaking of things that I pay no attention to. Oh, geez. So, uh, <laughs> behind the scenes, Jordan Sparks was at Parliament House because... This week that we're recording was Gay Pride in Orlando. Right. And my friend's like, oh, I'm going to be out so I can see Jordan Sparks. I'm like, I already like one Jordan Sparks song. And he goes like, is it this song? I'm like, no. Is it this song? I'm like, no. Is it No Air? I'm like, no. It's that happiness song. You know, you know, hurry, 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 come quick, quick, quick. And then I looked, I'm like, oh, snap. It's that's that's Alexis, Alexis Jordan. Alexis Jordan. <laughs> yeah, that's Alexis Jordan. That's not Jordan Sparks. You guys. Oh, as soon as he said happiness, I, yeah. I was like, oh, Alexis Jordan. And then I realized I don't give a fuck about Jordan Sparks. And I wasn't paying $20 to see it. Oh, it was only 15 first off. I, still 15 too many. She was fantastic. Sounded amazing. Super sweet. Yeah, of course, because she ain't doing nothing. And she just dropped another album. She's two, on the Gay Chitlin circuit. Ago. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so. <laughs> just pride, going from pride to pride like salt and pepper. Uh, <laughs> and Taylor Day, just pride to pride. <laughs> Trying to make ends meet, stay one step ahead of her bill collectors. And, and oh. Deborah Cox, all right, if and you want to put somebody and on there. Oh, Maya. Oh, my. <laughs> So, who but it was, it's been see? my favorite selfie. Like, it was probably like, the best That's selfie good. I've taken uh, yeah. with any of the recording artists. It was very nice. Yeah. So, it's up on our, well, it's not up on our, not, not on the play. You go to the Bears in the city, though, you'll see it. So, back to Pat going Comic-Con. back home and Brian going to the big city, well, the bumpkin that he is. I, <laughs> I don't get up to the New York very often, and I do enjoy the, it. The New, New York. York. 
I mean, it is the New York. No, but it, we had a good time. No, we, it is the city. The, ci- the, the Big city. Apple. That's what you're thinking of. Nobody no, calls it the Big Apple. Everyone just calls it the city. It's the, yeah, city. it's the city. No matter where you live, somebody says the city, you know they're talking about New York. Because we were in Long Island for most of the trip, but then we would go into the city. We went to Brooklyn for the Doctor Who event. Uh, we went to Rock Bar is, uh, what, the Meatpacking District, I guess? No, that's in Greenwich. Uh, that's in the village. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. That's in the village. We did the High Line uh, for touristy things, and in in that was in Chelsea, right? Yes. And then the Meatpacking or whatever. Um, but but the con itself. You just, you just want Meatpacking involved in there somewhere. Well, we walked through the Meatpacking. I remember that. Um, meatpacking District. Oh, sorry. Stop saying Meatpacking. It's the Meatpacking. So... <laughs> This show on Thursday, and again, we were just there for the one day, was ridiculously busy. And last year it was busy, but it was like, okay, it's a Thursday for a show. Usually it's the lightest day. Based on just that Thursday, I'm like, I I can't even imagine the rest of the day. Is it just more of that insanity? Um, If you've never been to the Javits Center, it's a beautiful convention space. They take over the whole damn place. Uh, You know, the main floor is huge and overwhelming with all the different you know marvel you know lego a bunch of smaller things but like square enix you know big video game publishers japanese uh, toy makers comic books uh our friends from geeks out were there with a booth again our friends uh happy belated birthday jono yes well we'll, we did see jono and jono is doing very well and we're hoping he can uh Come pay us a visit sometime, uh, at least on the show. We got um, to go to his birthday celebration. We did. It was really nice. Although then we missed Ben de la Creme, which we didn't realize <laughs> was at the same time. Uh, but no. Um, You've uh, seen Ben de la Creme like eight times. I want to see her show Cosmos. You root through her garbage. <laughs> did? No, we just watched her pee in a bush. It's fine. Oh, that was right. It's a different story. That's, that's, so, um, Family trips. Northwest Press. That was outside of the Parliament House at 5 a.m. Slash Prism. Right, because that's their nonprofit arm that you know promotes gay comics. They were there and uh, run by Dave Abersole, who we just interviewed recently about Dash. Uh, got to see him, albeit a little briefly. Got to meet some other writers and uh, uh, see some other comics from Northwest, including one that uh, I, uh, DJ and Oral have both. Uh, uh, sorry, B- BJ. I'll call you DJ. Sorry, don't even know my name. Okay. I know, sorry, uh, but like this is called Al Qaeda's Super Secret Weapon. By David Zellman. I feel like it's about to be an audiobook. And, <laughs> this one is and I'm going to start reading. No, seriously though, if you have so Northwest is a press, a comics publisher, uh, indie publisher out of uh, I think it's out of Seattle. We, we've interviewed Zan Christensen, you know, guy who runs the thing. What two years ago, a while back? I'm glad we got these readers and review copies now because I could just hear them drying up. <laughs> I don't know where they are. I don't know what they do. I don't no. even remember what they're actually called. They're gay people who put out gay shit. That's all you need to know, though. No, so let me tell you, your comics retailer does not carry these, and that is a shame because that is they're awesome. And if you're and if they do, God bless them. Keep keep doing it. Because you are missing out on some amazing, ridiculous in this case. Um, we've talked about a couple other books like Complete Waste of Time by Rick Worley. Um, Pride, uh, I can't think of the author. Um, uh, there was the uh, Bull Riley. We're, anyway, we're going to talk more about these in the coming months. We've got some review copies we want to do. But please go check out Kate's Super Secret Weapon. It is the most irreverent story about... Basically, what if Al-Qaeda decided to infiltrate America's armies or military forces by having gay sleeper cell agents 
disrupt the unity of their uh, of the of the units of the. Uh, Troop cohesion. The, the troop cohesion. And done in a cartoony style that is very, like, not photo reference, but, like, you know, there's you know, John McCain's in it and some other things. But it's really, like, funny and cute. And erotic. And very. There's, I mean, it, it's not, a, I mean, I wouldn't call it necessarily a straight up, like, porn comic. But there's some sexual content that is definitely adult, including this lovely two-page spread of men in different positions. Emphasis but, on spread. Yes. But no, it's very funny. Very funny book. Uh, did you guys? What did you think? Did you oh, I thought it was hilarious. I, yeah, I, it was. It was a blast. Weaponizing the gays. You'll see it if you see the cover. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I just think this is the kind of content that we don't see enough in comics. Not the smutty part, but whatever. Like just funny, irreverent satire with you know uh, sort of a, a gay perspective in this case. Um, you know, indie publisher that, again, you should ask your... They're in Diamond. You can ask your retailer to look up Northwest Press and look up their catalog and go online and get stuff right off their website. You can get them through Comixology and there's other electronic uh, medium. But check these guys out if they come to a convention near you. They're getting out there, getting more attention, and they're doing some really good work. So uh, we're, we're glad to keep supporting them uh, in their craziness and, and, and their endeavors. So... Uh, other than that, we saw Ryan Brown. That was great. He's just funded his Blast Furnace uh, Kickstarter. He had a mm-hmm. lovely a variant cover. Well, not a variant cover. It's a sketch cover of sorts. So he has like a lot of stuff printed, but then he'll sketch in something for you. It's based on God Hates Astronauts, but anagrams, I think, that he's come up with. Uh, well, this... it's, it's the first issue of God Hates Astronauts, right. but rewritten to tell a different... And uh, I'm trying to remember his wording here. It's a different and absurd story. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, he almost did, like, Marvel style where like it's the already... the first issue wasn't? <laughs> but the first issue makes some sense. This the makes hell it did. next to no sense. <laughs> like, it's Marvel style. So he already had the art. So he goes in and he basically lettered it. Oh, okay. So, but changed everything. It's really funny. And, um, and the, the sketch cover, it's the, the central character on the cover has no head. So he, when you go and purchase one from him, he will do a random quick sketch of something yeah. in the head spot. It's we really got a bear. Fun. Of course. That says RAR. He may know a few things. <laughs> um, we saw Janet Lee, who did the Dapper Men. Um, she's still working on the next iteration of that. She's also got some really cool news, and I don't know when they're announcing it, so I won't say anything. But she's got some potential projects lining up that are really neat. And her... Uh, you know, all her stuff. She had pages there from, uh, she did like Once Upon a Time. They did like an anthology from the show, oh, TV huh. show. Her pages were like beautifully drawn, like pencil, fully colored by her. They were like 160 bucks. I was like, come on, Janet, you're giving this stuff away. It's like beautiful original art. Um, and she had that at the show. And she had a lot of it. So check her out at any show you go to that she's at. Um, we talked to Dennis Hopeless. So Hopeless, who's a... Uh... Enjoying his two children. This was the last out-of-state convention he was going to, so he's going to be home with the kids and writing his uh, two new books now that his Secret Wars titles are, are coming to a close. So he's doing Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman and All-New X-Men. And All-New X-Men. And um, it's Idy was the, the other girl. Remember we were talking about All-New in the Volkswagen? Yeah. Yeah, it's not Kitty in there. It's Idy. Oh, okay. okay. So, yeah, and Kitty is actually in Guardian. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's good. Yeah. Well, for, for our listening audience, Earl and I had a whole conversation about Kitty being Star Lord, 
but not being in all new and he thought she was because there was a secondary female that wasn't part of the team because mm-hmm. Jean Grey's not there. That wasn't Laura, and he thought it was Kitty, but no, it's Yeah, like, it's and they, they made it seem, they're like, it's not Kitty. I'm like, obviously that looks like Kitty, so yeah. either you're bringing somebody in or you moved her here. Yeah. You're a lying sacks of shit. Yes. It was Kitty all along. Of course, of um, course. We also saw our friend Danny Haas, who was there, um, and, you know, doing some great art and some uh, neat pieces, especially if you like the new Star Wars stuff. His BB-8 is really cute. I think we talked about that when we did for Comic mm-hmm. Day. Because yeah. he had had that printout then, um, but he his, his stuff is blown up after his um, work with Stephen Amell after the Arrow um, Stardust WWE whole like, SummerSlam thing. Uh, so he's getting a lot of a lot of attention, a lot of focus from other places, but still local to Orlando. Mm-hmm. So check out his uh, Etsy store, and he's put some new prints up and um, support local artists because yeah. they do good work. Um, who else did we talk to? We saw Jamie Faye and yep. Rich Bernatovich. He, doing... he had to teach me how to say his name. Uh, who are with Drumfish Productions. And they had uh, some, I think, a new issue or a new anthology of their book, Sentinels, that came out. They were split at two different tables this time around. It's so weird. For like the three years I've known them, they've always been at a table together. So it was very bizarre to see them in different spots. Uh, but they're New York, uh, New York guys. We saw. I talked to James Tinian about Tinian. Uh, Mimetic, which is his interesting apocalyptic story about what if uh, an image caused basically everybody to lose their minds and caused the end of the world. And it's an image of a sloth with like a I don't know. He's like making give, a give him a thumbs up. I think. Yeah, a thumbs up. Something oh like God, that. we'd all yeah, be dead. It's, it's it's a really interesting book, and I I had only heard of it through him and like think in passing. But I started reading it on the drive down, and it's it's really good. Like, I mean, it's it's the characterization of these kids that are sort of in college, and like, there's a gay uh, main character in it, and it, it's it's dealing with sort of growing up, but it's also dealing it from this apocalyptic lens and the idea that an image can be the end of the world. Anyway, that, it's interesting. I'm really curious. He's got another one called I think Cognetic. That's like the the follow up. Same uh, him and uh, same author or same. Uh, uh, penciler. Plus, he's doing the Batman and Robin Eternal that just started, mm-hmm. which I have not read. It, it was good. We also saw Kevin Wada. Yes, Kevin was so sweet. I didn't realize he's not doing the covers to Scarlet Witch. No, they swapped him out with somebody else. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I'm really upset about. That. I mean, he was sort of upset too, in a sense that I mean, it's it's it, it's he probably got paid for the work, but it's just you know he's. He does such good stuff. Like his his prints are amazing. His fashion forward sensibilities, like his character design, like they're keeping the character design he did. Of course they are, uh, which is good. But no, I I really love Kevin, and he did such a great Chantel that you know obviously we're we're really happy that he uh, is still doing good work. Um, but uh, Tenian, so he James Tenian, Chris Anka, Steve Orlando, who's doing the Midnighter book, uh, and oh god, Babs Tar. They're all part of the Times Out uh, LGBT Creators panel on Friday, on Thursday, hmm. uh, run by our friends Jamie Fay and uh, Jude. And I'm not going to pronounce her name right. Beer, beer, Beerserdorf, or it's like a German thing. Sorry, Jude. I'm sorry. Um, but 
they did a great job. Uh, Jamie organized the panel, and then Jude ran it, and they did a great job. It's a great LGBT-focused panel on Thursday, and then Friday they did a culture panel. So it's like a bunch of different gay, you know, cultural figures and and discussing the kind of a culture and what it means to be, you know, gay in that culture. Anyway, it was we didn't get to go to that one, obviously, but I heard it was good. So I'm really happy that they're doing good stuff. And um, I think there was one more person we talked to. But that was that's those are the highlights. I mean, if I left off anybody, let me apologize because, you know, it's a frantic mess. Oh, Grumpy Cat. We did try to see Grumpy Cat. Seriously, like doing a signing for her or for her new dynamite book, and by signing I mean you know sitting oh, there. paw print, paw print, yeah. She but throws the, up in your the shoes. line and the crowd was so ridiculous that all we really could do is stand there and try ridiculous to because people were in line for Grumpy Cat. Yes, <laughs> yeah, but also ridiculous because there were a lot of them. It was kind of a mess, but. We were a part of it, you and I make me. Sick. I wanted to see the cat, and I got a good, I got a couple good pictures, so I was very happy that I got you know to see Tartar Sauce in person because she's cute. I like her. Hey, Flamers! It's Brian from Flame On. Uh, my favorite gay and geeky thing this year has to be, uh, well, it's a tie. Dash from Northwest Press, written by the fantastic and talented Dave Abersole with art by the uh, also equally fantastic and talented Delia Gable. If you're not reading this series, uh, your local retailer may or may not have it. If you go on Comixology, if you go on Northwest Press's website, they have great ways to get high-quality PDFs or digital downloads for you to check out. The other one, of course, a little more mainstream, but uh, Steve Orlando and Akko's uh, also amazingly gay and I mean of course it's geeky uh, Midnighter series from DC Comics uh, if you're not reading this this is definitely at your local retailers smart sexy it's the first comic book superhero comic book with a gay lead that I have just thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed from a mainstream publisher uh, yeah there have been others and they've been okay and Midnighter's not a new character but I guarantee you you will enjoy their take on a classic character uh, living as a gay man in a in a comic book world. So check out Dash, the awesome crime noir book from Northwest, and Midnighter from DC Comics, uh, all about a gay superhero, and you will not be disappointed. Have a happy holiday season. Let's go ahead and dive into probably the biggest disappointment slash... Geeky, nerdy, comic, movie story of the month. I'll give it the month. Possibly even this half of the year. Possibly even this year. This may be the worst story of the year. It still hasn't done as worse as Pluto Nash, I don't believe. Mm. So, no, yeah. mm-hmm. Was Pluto Nash this year? No, but oh, okay. Well, but still. So this may be the this may be like 2015's. You know, black it's going spot. down in the annals of like the worst superhero movie ever. Yeah. What about Leonard Six? That doesn't count. <laughs> Leonard Six was amazing. Thank you very much. Of course, we are talking about the reboot of the Fantastic Four, uh, the Joshua Trank directed. Although, if you asked him the day before the movie came out, that wasn't his movie. So we'll uh, we'll dive into it a little bit. One because uh, you've probably read four billion articles talking about how bad it was and how 
Fox should just go ahead and sell the rights back now, which, I mean, they should. They should at least work out some sort of Sony agreement like they did with Spider-Man. But, Jared, I heard you had an interesting story, and uh, you saw well, the movie. Was was I the only one that saw it? Yes, I. It, and it's not that I won't see the movie, and I heard that it's bad, but I have a soft spot for Jamie Bell. Now, who who is that? I, I don't know the actors in in the film. Um, the white one, not the black <laughs> one. Okay. So, um, Wait, of course, was... I have a thing for Michael B. Jordan, the black one. Um, Wait, there was two white ones. There was Which, three three white ones. Well, well, not the girl, obviously. Nobody's talking about her. And um, <laughs> except apparently her blonde wig, which was so horribly noticeable when they had to go back and do the reshoots. Okay, so so who played Doctor Doom? Um, I am not familiar okay. with who played Doctor mm, Okay. But, but Jamie Bell is who? Reed or I think Ben? I think he's Reed. I think he's Reed. You know there's a whole bunch of people sitting at home when they're <laughs> listening to this going, God damn it, Oral! Well, yeah, I don't care. It's not important. <laughs> what is important <laughs> is that I will probably pay a certain amount of money, not in 3D, but I will pay a certain amount of money to go see it only because like I always have a soft spot for the Fantastic Four. Um, they're not my favorite team, but they're my first Marvel team. And, Ooh. you know, might as well. Might as well. I'll probably watch it if it's on television or Netflix eventually, but I'm not going to pay you're, for you're it. You're not going to pay for it, yes. I was never going to pay for it. It could have been yeah. the best movie in no. the world. Well, I could care less. I, I unfortunately did pay for it. <laughs> um, and uh, why did you pay for it? Why did I pay for it? Well, uh, it was the second part to a three-part date I had over the Ooh. weekend. Now, by three-part... It was the second guy you were on a date with that day? Yes. Okay. Oh, my. Yes. It started with dinner, then a movie, and then a walk in the park. So it was very nice. Not all the same person. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyways, we we wanted to go watch a film. There were no horror movies playing, so we're like, okay, well, this is pretty horrific anyways. We'll we'll go ahead and watch that. Um, You know, I, I came in with the intent that you know, this is going to be a terrible movie, so maybe I'll just try to get into just a little bit of you know make-out time. I love that thing. Just yeah. a little tip. Just the tip. No. <laughs> get out. <laughs> but no, the the theater was crammed. It was crammed with people, and this was just the strangest thing to me. That why are these people going to see this movie? It's terrible. Why am I seeing this movie? It's terrible. Well, it's for the same reason why traffic always backs up after an accident. Rubberneckers. Mm, mm, mm. Apparently not enough, because it only opened the board with, what, just over $26 million opening weekend? Well, at that point, like, they had burned any possible hope to the ground and then salted the earth so nothing would ever grow again. Uh, so, like, nobody nobody really was breaking their neck to go see it. Very true. Mm-hmm. Well, when the director is slamming it the day before, yeah. what can you say? Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think the only redeeming quality was that, you know, I thought Doom pre-weird suit thing happening was pretty pretty hot. But that, mm-hmm. was, that was about it. And that was, like, the first 20 minutes of the movie. I'll agree. And what about the actors? Were the actors themselves, were they doing the best they could with what they had? Yes. Uh, granted, uh, everyone was like a two-dimensional character, each and every one of them. Mm. And uh, You mean they were like comic book guys? No. no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know. I was mildly disturbed by the thing not wearing any 
you know, garments. With no rock penis? No rock penis. Damn either. it. Never a that rock penis. That was the penis. only reason I would spend money to go see it in the theater. It's never a rock penis. Not when you need one. Mm. But that's, I mean, that's the one good thing I have heard about, uh, about the movie was that the script sucked, but the actors did a decent job with what they had. Because, I mean, you can only do so much with It's, it's true. It's just, mm-hmm. it was it was very difficult to attach any sort of, like, emotional attachment to any any of the characters. And apparently there's a one-year jump in the middle of the movie, or uh, two-thirds of the way through the movie? Well, the, the film starts in, uh, I want to say, like, 2007, and then it goes uh, to 2015, and then it goes a year later. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, okay, because that's right. They start out as as kids because they mm-hmm. all that footage about um, Reed at the science fair yes, and his teachers yes, and all that yes, bullshit. Yes, yes. Gotcha. Okay. So then they get their powers <clears throat> and then another weapons and that year jump where it just kind of Reed goes into hiding in Mexico. Oh God. <laughs> oh. No. I'm so looking forward to seeing this on Netflix. <laughs> All right, so let's let's close close the book on this this uh, train wreck and proceed to something better. How was part three of your three parts eight after that? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. No. No. no, no, just figured I'd ask. I mean, we were trying to get closure on the story, so <laughs> it went very well. Good. There you go. All right. Another date. Yes. Yes. Aww. Very good. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now you can go see another horrible movie. <laughs> this time on like weekend two, three, or four. I I believe Sinister is coming out this weekend, okay. so okay. you'll have a horror movie. That will week. be good then. Okay. There you go. And uh, you saw this in uh, the Boondocks, right? Because there was probably only one packed movie theater somewhere around here. Yeah. 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 It was um, in a movie theater I've never been to before. At the loop, in the loop, yes, at the loop, yes. yes. Shout out to our friends at the loop. Do we have no friends at the loop? <laughs> <laughs> I've been to the loop. I'm sure I still know somebody that works at the TJ Maxx over there. I have, somebody somewhere. I have two friends at the loop, and their names are Ben and Jerry. So, ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I love them. <laughs> Obviously. <Yeah. laughs> oh, so what's next? The shade of it all. <laughs> all right. Okay, well. that's two. That's two. And you can count. You must be oh. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Woo, girl. Sass. You no longer have she-mail. <laughs> hey, Flame Owners. This is BJ. Um, so we were given the task of telling you guys our favorite geeky ev- gay event or gay thing from 2015. So I'd be an asshole if I wasn't, if I wasn't like, oh, well, not gay marriage going through. So I got I have to say gay marriage or it'll be that asshole. So it'll be very interesting to hear who, uh, who didn't say gay marriage getting, uh, normalized or legalified or whatever it is. I have to say my favorite geeky thing has got to be in the realm of video games. And it's two things, uh, cause I can't follow directions. Undertale uh, and Bloodborne. Both games, Undertale has the most interesting story, the most interesting system. It's it's, uh, it's just phenomenal. You can spend hours playing it. 
it encourages you to think outside the box as far as battles go and solutions. The art style, the, the art style in the game, it's it's reminiscent of, of old 8-bit games. Um, but it's still got some mature themes in it. So that's that's actually really awesome about it. And then you've got Bloodborne, which I've never played a game that literally makes my heart race. No game has ever given me this sense of accomplishment when I make it through a boss battle. So Bloodborne totally makes that that list. I'm currently eyeing it in the corner of my room because I still need to beat the final boss and I'm scared to play it. Just let that sink in. It's not that I'm a wuss. It's that I look at the game and I'm like, I just emotionally can't handle this right now. I'm, I'm tired. I just got done with work. Um... So I think that's got to be that that's got to be my favorite stuff from 2015. Uh so have a good, good one guys and hopefully I'll be hearing you guys soon coming up on uh the new year. Uh have a great one. Bye. But one more book I want to talk about Airboy. Did you read Airboy number 2? Uh no, but I read the controversy. Me too. So, Airboy number 1, uh, James Robinson we talked about earlier and uh Hinkle, Robert Hinkle, I believe. Yes. They didn't just make a book about this classic Golden Age Airboy character. They decided, no, we're going to make a book about adapting this Golden Age character for Image. So it is very much a autobiographical with, I'm sure, some embellishment. embellishment. But the first issue has full-on dick, multiple shots, very uh, generous. I mean, I don't know these men's endowment, but I would assume... Very generous endowments uh, artistically. Uh, but the second issue had a bit of a controversy. Would you like to discuss this? Yeah. So we should mention it. We we would we would be doing our audience a disservice if we did not bring it up. So apparently what happened was um the three characters, Airboy and you know, the creators, the creators yeah. are in a club and they are serviced. By transgendered individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, And and sometimes they use the word trans, Mm -hmm. but they really just call them tranny hookers. That's pretty much what it boiled down to. And I don't know if you know this, but there's something called Twitter (laughs) and Tumblr. Tumblr, Tell us about these things. And they will drag you. Into the mud. No, no. They will drag you. Through the streets, <laughs> into broken glass, over acid, yes, and salt water, into into battle world with Furiosa. <laughs> you are really bad at this. What? I, no, like, and it's precious. I feel like Tumblr is such a wilderness of angst that there are times where things get dragged into that. Just yeah. But what I will say is he. Robinson did something um, that we've seen really smart people do. Mm-hmm. One of those people not being Justin Bieber. Uh. One of those people being Jonah Hill, where you say what you, you know, this was my intent. This was not my intent. Mm-hmm. I apologize. You talk about the issues that the community that you have offended face. Um, you say how you are not that person, how you will endeavor to be a better person, and you literally prostrate yourself yeah. 
you know, in the stocks yep. until the rocks and the rotten fruit have stopped. And then you go about your business. And, and, and to that point, I think it's, it's really smart. Yeah. Um, well, it's not just smart. It's real because like James Robinson, it, it kind of reminded me of the RuPaul, uh, Ooh, girl, you got she mail. You're like, doing it wrong. If we're, Ooh, girl, Thank you. you got she mail. Thank you. It reminded me of that because Robinson has been an al- a queer ally and for, for, for like 15 years. And the L-G-B-Q-T-I-T-I-E-I-E-I-O. Yeah, exactly. T-I like, is part of it now? <laughs> Damn it. He went to jail. Do <laughs> you know what? From now on, what? You, you're, your straight man is even bad. No, oh God. Who's T.I.? Oh. Texas Instruments. That's what I think of T.I. Oh. I'm a programmer, for God's sakes. This is my trade. Listen, I always want to say James you Robinson. You let him sleep with you at night and touch you, Pat. <laughs> Who's T.I.? I don't know. I don't He's know. a rapper. Oh. What would I, I, I mean, I, I'm not a hip hop guy. I just don't listen to Neither it. am I, really, well, but. No, I don't I like T.I., but I know who he yeah, is. I didn't know who he is. All right, but no, I want to say James Robinson. I actually want to say this. We all here, we here at Flame On have said those words, hot training mess. We've said hot training hookers. Like, we have talked about the trans community in specific instances that we've never said hot training mess. I will go back and pull tape. Yes, and all you're here <laughs> is yourself. Mm hmm. All I'm saying is we have nothing but love for – in fact, last night I – will, I will say this. Last night oh, we, were the, we, go. We're, we were at the, the – Ladies the club. and gentlemen, literally if we could have a visual of a countdown <laughs> for when Brian puts his foot in his mouth. <laughs> it's I, a I big really, foot too. Okay, listen. I have a, listen, I, we, I had a moment. I really had a moment where I'm sitting there watching a door and I'm seeing the people who are at the club. A, a door – Delano a, okay. from RuPaul. RuPaul and 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 I felt this this moment where I'm like, there is a portion of the trans community who absolutely that's their identity and that's their thing, and that's great. I love that. I've talked about this to other people. I've tried to explain this, why it's an issue, all that. But then I also felt like there was a moment where I was like, there are people who do trans, like they do gender queer, they do gender fluid, because it is that that is the way they express themselves. That is their that is their punk, that is their art, that is their self expression. And I was like, this is also really cool. Like I really had a moment where I was like, I get it. I think this is amazing. I'm really happy for them. But like I have no ill will towards them when I say the word tranny. Because I don't have a negative connotation with that. I really don't. I have trans friends. We have drag queen friends. We have all the spectrum of friends and people we know and we deal with. And it's it's not a negative. So I don't think Robinson, as much as he is being maligned, had a negative when he called it that. In fact, he has said in his letter, which I, we posted on Flame On on the, fame, on the Facebook page, like he was talking from a place of moral <laughs> reprehension he write he wrote all this about himself when he was in a really bad place and so he wanted to really play up the negative about the way he saw things the way he felt about things and so i'm really proud that he he came out and had a, a great letter a great mea culpa if you're going to write a mea culpa look at james robinson's mea culpa because he did it right but he has written gay characters in his mainstream DC works since Starman in the 90s. Like, he is an ally. 
You know, that's where I'm saying, why do we attack our own? Why do we attack RuPaul? Why do we attack people who are allies for making a turn of phrase where that's not, they don't mean to be negative. They don't mean to be destructive. They're just making a joke. That's where I'm, I'm trying to come to a place where I understand why we get so bent out of shape and why we shame them publicly when the people we should be shaming publicly are the Republicans and the people who are holding back our gender rights. Like that's the ones I absolutely give you full support and, and yes, attack them. But why do we hurt our own? That's what I don't get. That's what I don't get. I don't mean to be prepared to sink your battleship, <laughs> but that's what's going to happen. And, and let's not talk about Republicans like they're carte blanche, carte blanche all bad. No, of course not. I'm a Republican. <clears throat> I'm a registered Republican still to this day. I don't what? vote for I don't vote I've been for drinking him. out of your cups. <laughs> I don't vote for him, but I am a registered to this day. You didn't realize all of his cups were red? Oh, my well, God. Actually, oh, my God. It's orange. <laughs> I gave you an orange cup. So um, I am I don't vote for him because I don't agree with him. But it's like what I, don't what I will say is this. Um when you are not a part of a community mm-hmm. um and you haven't experienced the the Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Specific trials and tribulations, because everyone has trials and tribulations. Absolutely. But when you have not lived through the specific issues of walking out of your door and necessary being a target of ire to the extent that, you know, the the transgendered community or, you know, the, you know, minority of colored community. I didn't say colored. I'm sorry. My tongue popped. Um, it is, it is very different. And, you know, it's, it's not a sort of, we exclude everybody. And I'm saying we, as the, you know, the general idea, uh, and you know, I am a minority. I am a minority within a minority. It's, you know, it's like when people, and and I don't even use this word in my everyday, like, vernacular, but when people say the word nigger, like, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, black people can say it to each other because it's, it's more about, like, reappropriating a word at at times. And, you know, there are some people, and, you know, there are days where, you know, even, like, my black friends, like, I don't want to be called that word. It's just, it's. You know, it's a part of my history. It's a part of my culture. Take it it's back. A, yeah. It. Yeah, absolutely. And and you guys are my friends. But if you were to ever say that word to me, sure. 
I would cuss you uptown and downtown Absolutely. and storm out. Sure. Uh, and then I'd probably slash your tires. But And it's it's just different. Just don't like, clean my car. You know, like, and I probably told you this story before when, you know, I was in class and we were talking about Huck Finn as a racist text. And someone said, well, I don't understand how you can see this as a racist text right. when you're talking about it in an elevated setting such as a classroom. And I'm just like, you know, like, how do I convey this to other people? Right. And I lean over to my my friend Rochelle. And I'm like, I'm really sorry for what I'm about to do. And then I just scream cunt at the top of my lungs, really? smacking my hands on the table, looking directly at this girl who said, I don't understand. Right. And, you know, everyone was really quiet. And I'm just like, that word makes you uncomfortable. Sure. It literally guts you to your core, especially when someone who isn't of your particular subset, not to make it sound so clinical or like. No, no, I get you. You're a tribe. Yeah. yeah. I get you. I get you. When someone says that, like I, you know, it's like when someone says, I am not a racist, I have, you know, black friends. Right. Or like you know, Latino friends. Like Stephen Colbert. He's like, I have a black friend. He puts it. Yeah. Like, you know, they are not your defense. Like language is, you know, words mean things. Sure. I listened to the read and like, I totally agree. The read, if you, if you want to listen to some black Queens talk about random shit, high and drunk and like really smart. Yeah. Um, kind of like social commentary. I would suggest listening to the read, but words mean things. And words mean things, you know, like if I say a word and you say the same word, right? depending on who we are and right. what we look like, they can mean completely different Absolutely. things. No, I get and that. that's what I think is the issue. It's, it's like when Rick Remender, you know, in Uncanny Avengers said M word yeah. and then there was this big backlash and he took offense to it. Right. And, you know, while I, I... I admire him as a writer and I can understand where he's coming from. I don't think he gets it. Sure. And, and that's where I think people were coming from. You may think you do, but you don't. And it's not that we use, you know, we as minorities use that as an excuse because, you know, surprise, surprise, you guys are a minority too. Right. Yeah. I mean, Pat, you may, you may, Passed for white, but bitch, I tasted your empanadas and they good. They are. They're you really know, <laughs> you know, and you know, Brian. No offense, but when you and I open our mouths, people know that dicks have been in and out of it. Wait, you know, <laughs> what? For, what? you know, what are you talking about? For decades yeah. at this point, decades for you, only ten years for me. <gasps> um, you hussy. So call me out. You know, like I, it, it's a touchy subject. I, get, and I, I take your point. Yeah, I, I totally take your point. And I, and I, and this is the thing. I am a white privileged male. I don't get as much of the perception that I am trying to understand because again, I don't want to be that person that says the N word or says the T word or, or the F word for that matter and be so cavalier about it that I don't appreciate the, the charge nature of yeah, it. Yeah. You know, know what I will say is that. You allies are great. My friends are allies. They stand with me. They are not me. Right. And Does I that make that. sense? Oh, and I totally get that too. I guess I just, I see that words have power, that we give them power. And I kind of stand by a little bit of what RuPaul said when she came out against the whole tranny. And again, I say the word cavalierly. Tranny gate. To tranny gate. Just to talk about the, the, the incident. And I say that RuPaul 
if you put it in context, you know, I studied English literature. I mean, you, you and I have yeah. a similar background, at least in part. We studied, you know, feminism and new historicism and all these different yeah, schools. No, I thoughts. get it. And, and, and like, right. I, we I we have there. to place it in the context of what it was said. And again, when RuPaul says, oh, girl, you got shemale, and then does the whole, you know, shemale, the whole, the, the, the game that they did, she was not coming at it from a place of hate. She was not coming at it from a place of, I want to put you down as something other than what you are. She was doing it as a, a comedian, as an artist. No, and what I've and and I have never said people don't have the right to say what they want to right, say. Yeah, yeah. That's never what I said. No, no, of course. But if you're going to say what you want to say, there are consequences to it, and it's hit me too. Yeah. I've said some pretty. I said a touch of the downs. You a touch fact, of yes, the downs. <laughs> You know, like, Which I'm and you know what I would say, you know, I know people who are on the scale for, you know, autism right. um, and Asperger's. Mm-hmm. Like, I know people who have been touched by that. Mm-hmm. I don't use that as a defense right. to say, well, you know, my one of my best friend's brother has Asperger's. No, I said this. Mm-hmm. This is what I said. If I am wrong, I apologize. Yeah. If I've offended you, I apologize. Well, right, exactly. And it's, and that's the thing. It's, it's, you really have to look at, did James, and this is getting way back, James, did James Robinson try to sit out there and go, I want to offend all of my trans no, or genderfluid readers? Think, I don't, he didn't. He wanted but that's to tell not the point. story. He didn't mean to, but that's not the point. And they can be, and, but no, I, I take your point. They can be offended. But this is the thing, and it's a matter of comics are art. And it's not necessarily if he was sitting there and he said this as him in person and these words came out of his mouth. If you put it into the context, it's like writing. Um, honestly, it's like the Confederate flag being taken off or the Dukes of Hazard being taken off a of television. I understand. Nobody was watching the Dukes of Hazard. Probably not. not. But still, I'm, Nick at Night or TV Land or whatever yeah. took it off of television. I get taking it down for everything else. Like, but there are certain pieces where it just feels like overboard or excess because it wasn't you know for whatever reason it's not this piece if he was having a conversation and somebody recorded or he was on camera and he said this if he pulled uh what's his name from seinfeld well no like like, where he's just basically going on a rant i can i can see that yeah but the i think the nail in the coffin was this is an analog for him. It's his face. Yeah. They refer to him no, 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 you're themselves right. you're right. as the creators. Because it was his negative, awful past. Yeah. yeah and so like I, I, I get I get the, the disconnect for art. Like I, I, I totally acknowledge that that is something that sometimes happened. But your mouth, whether it be on TV, whether it be you know in the print media, like this is a vehicle for you. This is your mouthpiece sure. for what other people go through. And if this is what you feel like, and this is how you express yourself, other people have the right to have, you know, some sort of elicitation of their emotion to Absolutely. your art. Absolutely, no, I totally agree with you. My piece to it is, or, or what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say in that respect of this is an art. This is you know, it was supposed to be autobiographical. Is a word. I apologize. It is now. You made it. Good job. You elicit the emotions. That, no, we, we got what you're saying. Edwards. Yes. Back rolls. <laughs> um, the fact of the matter comes down to if you have a piece of that of, of history and you write a book 
are you supposed to just gloss over that? What if you were, that was your mindset of that point in time? You came to know more about it. You are now a different person than you were 15, 20 years ago. Do you just pretend that that didn't happen? I get where you're saying that this is an analog for him. It's his face. It's his story. And maybe at that point in time, when he was in that place, that was the kind of thing he would say. But 15, 20 years pass, he's learned, he's grown, he's a better person. Look at the people, look at all of the stuff that we're looking at now. Two years ago, was there all this talk about trans rights and, and transgendered in the forefront? No. So you have all these people, tranny this, tranny this, da 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 you know, now we've uh, we've grown and we're seeing what is happening with that part of the community, with that part of humanity. Yeah. So you change how your perception is. And the things that we said two years ago aren't things we would say now. And if we're trying to document and show this part of or, or create a story and have this cathartic piece and show what this whole part was and how you got to a better place... That's going to be a part of it. You can't suppress the history. And that's why, like, if anyone ever said, and I'm sure this is not what we're saying here, that we should pull Huck Finn from the canon of literature. No one should ever pull that. Or I'm not a fan of the canon. Well, admittedly. But that that is a part of history. What's that supposed to mean? (laughs) I don't even know. No, but we should never pull that. We should put that in the proper context. And that's the new historicist sort of school is, look. Read the text in the context of the history when it was written. Mark Twain, when he wrote it, was trying to grasp with this issue of slavery and with the issue of the fact that he didn't agree with it. And he tried to address it in the real historical context that he did. Now, we can then go, you know what? This is awful. That has words in it. I mean, we're rehashing, I'm sure, your, 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 your experience. You know, yeah. But do you know what the problem with new historicism has always been? Well, I know a couple, but yeah. One of the problems, specifically I will speak for me, is that it's really nice to say all of these high-minded things, but when you're still dealing with all of these issues. visceral reactions. Yeah, and these visceral reactions. It's really great for other people to say all this shit. But, you know, when you're standing there... And you're you're reading passages from Huck Finn, yeah. And you you're confronted hear with that again your and again white and again. classmates say yeah. "nigger." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It pisses you the fuck off. And, and I totally understand that in the sense that if I had a text that was sitting there saying "faggot, faggot, faggot," like I would be pissed off too. But it's it's I don't know. There's a part of me that has that visceral reaction. There's a part of me that says that's not the intent. Like. Like, I remember who said, well, I don't even remember the last time I heard faggot. Like, honestly, it's been so long. It's been a word that has been marginalized so much that I, I don't even remember the last time I heard someone say it other than me. But like, like, oh, I could tell you it was a year and a half ago. I was at the L house down the street on Samarana University. I was on my first date. <gasps> Somebody called you that? Oh, yeah. Multiple people. Oh and so God. literally. I'm sitting outside minding my own business. And see, that's the thing when you think about Uh new historicism, you forget the people who live through the issue, which is why minorities sometimes have a really big problem of you whitewashing, no pun intended, the past with a, you know, I'm just delving into this lens. Right. Because when someone literally calls you a faggot when when you're sitting there eating your salad minding your own business 
talking to someone who you think is attractive when you didn't even look in their direction, right. it pisses you the fuck well, off. And absolutely. And that's, that's an experience that I've only had once. I was driving from Sanford or through Sanford, and I had well, some, that was your mistake then. Well, like you deserve I was coming everything from the you land, got. Okay, but well, I mean, re- literally, a truck drove almost drove me off the road because I had a, a rainbow bumper sticker, and the guy was yelling, probably faggot or something off, you know. And it, and it was just one of those moments where it was so foreign to me and alien because I had not had that experience, and I have really not since ever had that experience in a visceral like you know someone is. Like, that's where it's a disconnect for me. So that's, you know, maybe that's why I can be more clinical about it. But it's it's just, I guess I guess what I want to come back to is, again, I understand and I do not want to dismiss or downplay the effect it has on people. Obviously, because that's not my experience. I don't. I mean, you, you know better than I do what that is like. But, like, I also do want to stand up for James Robinson and say, I respect you as an artist, I respect you as a creator, and I respect your right to tell the story unencumbered by the reaction. And when I feel like creators are starting to get Tumblr bashed for the reaction, as much as the people on Tumblr have absolutely every right to talk about their reaction, I feel like the artists need to step away and go, I am not listening to your reaction because I can't. To tell art to be art, be an artist. You cannot sit there and 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 take all the reaction and and factor that into your creative process. It it stunts your creative process. I'm not saying you need to be offensive as an artist, and that you should be offensive in art as an artist. But you need to be disconnected from that feedback, or you will not produce the art that you really want to produce. And the art should challenge people. It should throw. F bombs and T bombs and and N bombs and whatever bombs to challenge the people who hear it in their own distinct way. That's what art does. I mean, piss Christ. I'm a Christian, and the fact that somebody as an artist took a cross and stuck it in a jar of urine challenges my faith as a Christian because I totally think it's offensive. But I absolutely will stand up for their right to do that as an artist to make a statement. Do you know what I mean? Like it's no, like I, I you know what I, I mean. I get it, and but again, I can't say from that point of of oppression. I I come from a, a place of privilege, and I don't understand that reaction. But I want to understand. And I want to be sensitive to it. I don't want to offend anybody as an artist, as a podcaster, as anything. And I just I'm struggling with I, that whole thing. I I I guess I am of the mindset in school as. You know, people should be free to do the art they want. You are not free, however, to be above reproach. Sure. And that's, I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. I am all about freedom of expression. But if you as an artist should be able to claim the right of freedom of expression, you as someone experiencing that art should be able to express your response and it's a two-way street it's the donald trump thing donald trump comes out and not as he's an artist he's not an artist but he comes out and he says shitty terrible things about mexicans and hispanic community and all this stuff and he's surprised and somehow mortified that the the companies that he works with are like saying screw you man we're not we're not working with you anymore mm-hmm. and it's like well duh you have the freedom of the first amendment that doesn't mean you have the freedom to not be penalized because businesses go we don't want to associate with you. Like, I totally get that. I totally do. So, 
I guess I guess I guess at the end of the day, uh, Airboy is an interesting piece of art because it does challenge. But not unlike uh, recently Batgirl with the trans villain that they had with the gold, you know, whatever. Like that was an interesting sort of moment. The May Dagger. The, was that what her name? No. Was? Okay, but yeah, basically, like that was, would have been a better name for her though. It would have been a good drag name actually. Drag is the new spandex. What? No, no, we're not at the part where we plug. Yet. Oh, fine, damn it! But no, like, like I, I want to see creators do interesting stories like that and explore gay issues, trans issues, LGBT, anything issues, but not from a place of of, of fear. I want them to be empowered to em- explore it in their their real way that they have encountered it in their lives, that they are in their lives, like without fear of reproach. And I feel like the echo chamber, especially when it can be easily reshared, reblogged, retumbled, with no consequence, like I feel like that might scare some people from telling those stories. That's my thing. I don't wanna I don't want those creators to have that fear. But again, like you said, people have the right to give their reactions, to be honest about their reactions. My last counter argument to that, because mm-hmm. you know that's what I Point do. counterpoint. Yes. Jane, you ignorant slut. We live in a world now where People are able to have a voice, a stronger voice than they used to be. Um, and yes, it's easy for you know people to, to, to post, I don't like this, I don't like that. But what I will say is, if someone is strong enough to voice their opinion, artists should be strong enough to put their art out there. And, and that's, that's just the way I feel. It's like, if you have... If you decide that this is what you really want to portray to the world, you should be strong enough to do that. Sure. Don't buckle under your conviction because that's literally what our conversation is. Sure. It's us standing up for our convictions and our beliefs and, and explaining to each other where we're coming from. And, you know, we may not agree. Uh, we may agree to disagree or I may just say, fuck it, you're full of shit. But if you as an artist, Say this is what I want to put out into the world. Stand by what you put out right. there. You know, does that sometimes mean you have to apologize? Yes. Yeah. But if you, you know, don't just dismiss someone because they don't oh, agree. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, if if I go out into the world, you know, literally covered head to toe in primary colors that always match, but or I color block like a mother. If I am out there as a black gay man whose name is Oral, mm-hmm. and I have to deal with this shit, yep. just to be me, not even putting anything that I'm producing out there, just literally just being, you, yeah. being me, getting a cup of coffee, pumping gas, mm-hmm. you can stand behind your work. Sure. Yeah. No, I agree completely. And this is why Robinson's in a better place to do this working for Image than exactly. the creators of Batgirl. Because Robinson can come out and say, this is what I intended, and I'm sorry it offended, but and that's why his letter is so good. Whereas the creators of Batgirl were just so ap- apoplectic about the whole controversy, and it was just this whole big... Well, the thing is, they fucked up because they really didn't think about who their target audience was. But That's on them. That's, a, that's just a misstep. I don't know. I really, I know. That's, well, that, we talked about that. We, we can go back in our history and actually hear our episode where we talked about that. And having and gotten how me- you kept saying, and I'm sorry to offend anybody, oh having Lord, said this, what I say when you kept saying, 
a hot tranny mask. I, I apologize. Probably did. But no, Babs, Tar, and, and Cameron Stewart, they are queer allies, and they are amazing people, and they never wanted anything to be offensive. And so, but, but you know, DC did what they did. They've got to do. Marvel does what they have to do. They want to make sure that everyone feels in- included and in that their content is inclusive. Okay, everyone, it's Oral, and I'm giving you my favorite gay and geeky or gay or geeky thing in 2015, and that is visibility. We are getting awesome portrayals of gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender uh, people and movies and music and television and comic books. Constantine the Hellblazer is awesome. He's dating men. He's dating women. He's dating demons. I probably dated two out of those three. I've dated three out of those three. Um, We have awesome representations of young gay couples and old gay couples and, and television. Shout out to Shonda Rhimes and everybody at Shonda Lamb. Connor and Ollie for life. Uh, and I, I think it's really important that we show younger generations and each other that our people exist. We are out there. We're not just tokens. We don't need to just be added for politically correct sort of PC stuff. Like, we are there. We have always been there. We will always be there. Gay people and intersex people and lesbians and bisexuals, even though sometimes I think they're unicorns and or dragons, um, exist. We exist. We deserve to see ourselves in the media we consume. And everyone else deserves to see us, too, because we're awesome. And that's it. I'm going to leave it there because I've run out of things to talk about. And I still have to do Christmas shopping. So later, later. Bye. The first time I saw him, I'm just like, that looks like the doll I always wanted. Yeah. But I never got. Yeah. I never got. I always told my mom, if you would have just bought me the Barbie styling head, we could have avoided all this. <laughs> I would have been a corporate lawyer or something. But I knew the aesthetic going into the show. I knew it was going to be polarizing. Mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't going to be for everybody. However, I was floored and surprised and appalled at how many people responded positively to it because the area i'm from it was always like oh trixie you know we could hire you if you had a softer look or if you did more top 40 music if you just look more mainstream so to go on the show and have people like doing my makeup all over the place and stuff that's crazy wow it's great so take us back to the formative days of your drag career your illustrious drag career i like using illustrious because i know how to spell it i double l u something um (laughs) i was with that rocky horror picture show when i was 18 and i was uh somebody was out of town who played a drag role and i had to jump in for them last minute and then it just kind of stuck so i never planned on doing it it just kind of happened and then trixie was um the name i picked because my stepdad actually had a really bad relationship with my stepdad and he used to call me a trixie when i was acting like too feminine or crying or being too emotional so he used to hate that word so then when i jumped into this role the name happened to be trixie and i was like it's a sign i'm supposed to take back tonight this is my moment so with candles and rape whistles yeah and i was just trixie and i didn't like full-on go for the barbie aesthetic i was just doing what i liked and then when i first started nobody knew my name they just like oh that new girl she looks like a barbie doll so i just kind of picked mattel because it's the manufacturer mm-hmm. see i you know what i like that that seems really natural not forced well i hate when drag queens and names are like rachel andrews i'm like you could pick any name uh-huh you pick that. Oh, my God. In New York, I was just in New York. There's so many good ones. There's a girl there named Amazon Prime. <laughs> Is there anything better than that? That's oh so my God. good. Well, and I love Mattel because, I mean, it's it's very much that sort of 
child of the 80s 90s like the commercial toy i i, I love the way it all fits together like yeah. i mean i loved mattel products when i was a child barbie still not loves much. mattel well yeah, that's true no legos more but you know you. i have this love hate with it because it's like i hate that um you know society and barbie dolls make women think they need to be a certain way but at the same time i love that hyper feminine if that's that's the aesthetic you like do it and that's mm-hmm. what i like I can see that. You if know, you look at me and you see a woman, I feel like it's like there's something wrong with your perception. <laughs> your perception of women is wrong, you know, or you have a glass eye that also has glaucoma, <laughs> or you're just really drunk. Yeah, or wasted. So, like when you first a drag until when Trixie kind of fully formed, did you feel like this is what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be traveling the world. No, in drag. I just started doing it for fun, and then I started doing it for like a little extra money, and then I got to a point where I could pay off the drag I was buying to do drag. I was breaking even. And then it turned into like a part-time job. And then before Drag Race, it was my full job. I was working like four nights a week doing shows. And then Drag Race kicked it in overdrive. Okay. So were you like working in, is it Wisconsin? Wisconsin, Wisconsin? yes. Wisconsin. Okay. You Milwaukee, guys seem very nice. And you say bag funny. Bad? Yeah. <laughs> Bag, like is in paper. Oh, bag. <laughs> bag. I love it. Bag. Oh, my God. Violet Chachi is making fun of me because in the first episode, I was talking about my boyfriend's family and I go, my boyfriend's family doesn't like drag. And she's like, drag. <laughs> but I guess we do. I never thought I'd talk funny until I travel now. People are like, whoa, girl, mm-hmm. you're from Wisconsin. <laughs> it's delightful. So what's what's the scene like in Wisconsin? Like, uh, What's funny is now that I've representing Milwaukee or a little bit people are like mm. oh you're you must be like exemplary of the drag in Milwaukee I'm like nothing could be further from the truth Milwaukee drag is full on like pageant it's full on like cat suit with the top 40 song you know like the Ariana Grande with like the like off the rack dresses and stuff not in a bad way but like it's more palatable mm-hmm. it's more like commercial drag I still I mean before drag race I wasn't booked very often because it was it was too weird I started working in Chicago. I more reflect Chicago drag where it's like really strong aesthetics, really strong personas. Like we have like, you know, kimchi, you know, uh, Shea Coulee. We have some of the most like strong looking pearls from Chicago, strong looking drag queens. So that's kind of where I fit in more. Okay. Like, and so when did you move from Milwaukee to Chicago? Well, I still live in Milwaukee, but on the weekends I would jump on a train and go to Chicago and work there. The rail system's that good? Well, there's an Amtrak. Oh, okay. Like a, That's still running? Yeah, girl. I'm taking one tomorrow to Tampa. Good luck. Well, no. I thought a plane to Tampa is like obnoxious. It's, it's obnoxious. Really, it is. Right. It's like a puddle, puddle jumper. So you say, you, you mentioned twice now that you don't do top 40 songs. Aside from seeing you on Drag Race performance, a lot of people obviously... It's hard when you're. It's not a local queen. Like with yeah. our queens here in Orlando, we see them perform. We know what they do. We see all that. Like when yeah, we, you know. I mean, I don't have anything as top forty songs, but I think a lot of people's drag, they liken themselves to like celebrities or like current what's going on. Uh, my drag is like I don't look like a human. I perform whatever music I like from whatever era, and I make all my own mixes. So I don't. I think I look more like a thing than a person, and I perform like that too. So I don't choose popular music because I'm not trying to just get money out of the audience. Like I pick music that I like that I think will make a good performance, you know, you know, what? and the flip side of that is, you know, some people will come and go like, you know, Ariana Grande, not throwing shade her way. Like she's she's hot. She's now, you know, but does she have staying power? Like who remembers her on Disney Channel? I'm not old enough. To she's from Disney. Yes. Oh, I had no idea. Apparently. Ooh. 
Side note, everyone. So apparently they dyed her hair like pink or purple for a Disney Channel show. And that's what they always did. And so the reason why she does those like high ponies is because that's what she feels comfortable in because they damaged her hair to high heaven. <laughs> wow. But her hair so pretty. It is super pretty. Money can do that. <laughs> so what are some of the songs? Like a few examples I of songs that you do. I love to do like Because I'm a Blonde by Julie Brown. You know, from like the 80s or... I like to do Barbie Girl. I mean, that's not like, you know, I do Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. I do just more stuff that like fits like a whole, like, I like a, a story. Niche. Yeah, I like a whole like story. I like the look to match the song to match what clips I put in it. You know, I'm not just there to like look pretty and do a song, you know, you know, I want to do more. than. Now, that. you ha- you told us earlier you have a musical theater background. Certainly that seems like it informs some of those decisions. Well, what I learned in episode four is I can't sing. Or be funny. <laughs> and I can't lip sync. So my degree didn't pay off. But uh, no, I went to I went to school for BFA Musical Theater because I was trying to work as an actor. But I just was never that good of a singer. And I was never a good enough dancer. And I was like, i got to be real with myself about this. And then drag started to happen. So I was just enjoying that more anyway. Because drag is so like 360 creative. You have to like make the costume, book the gig, make the performance, choreograph it, everything. It's more theater. It's like more creative. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, you see a lot of queens with theater backgrounds like Ginger or Ginger, Ginger. Uh, Jinx, of course, yeah. Ben. Like when you I watch mean, me and Ginger lip sync, you think you can tell that we have like that kind of background. Yeah. Not that it's better or worse, but that that's where we come from. Absolutely. Know? No, you totally see that in the in the performances. Yeah. Hi, this is Eric with Flame On, the Muscle Daddy. Let's see. My most geeky moment of 2015. Of course, like everybody else, I absolutely love Star Wars, the whole build up to it, and it really didn't let me down. So I really love that. Um, but also my surprise geeky moment was how great Ant-Man was. I absolutely adored the movie. I thought it was awesomely done. And but honestly, I really thought it was going to be Marvel's first bomb. I didn't expect much of it, and it was completely entertaining. I laughed. I cried. I told all my friends about it. So that's me. Happy holidays, guys. So those of you who don't know in the audience, basically, John Hodgman writes these fantastic books of false fact. Think of the anthology or, I don't know, it's almost encyclopedic, but more jumping around in topics, you know, from mole people to uh, to uh, the, uh, oh, Lord, I can't think of the creatures. He named. But anyway, your character in those books was sort of the uncivilized mountain man that was slowly being civilized by Mr. Hodgman's character. And uh, just so happened that as a mountain man, you you were a musical prodigy and would provide accompaniment. Was that a character idea that you yeah, brought that's to right. the project? It's, and it's hard to, uh, no, that was, that was his idea. It's hard to say if it was a... <laughs> if it was a... a one of those facts that is supposed to be true or one of those facts that is supposed to be a fact that John Hodgman thinks is true. There's many, many different layers of truth in those books. Um, and it's, uh, I, you know, I think we moved pretty fluidly between the idea that I actually was a feral mountain man and the idea that that was just a story that John Hodgman told to himself and to other people for reasons. I don't know. <laughs> it was a weird idea. I mean, it's it's delightfully truthy. Is whatever it was, whatever level of truth you accept, it was it was delightfully ridiculous and truthy. But but the audiobooks were such an awesome venue for that character, that role, and I guess, like you said, sort of that approach and your entrance into all of this um, from there and your thing a week, which was a podcast, correct? That's right. Yeah. I mean, it was it was it was published using podcast technology, but it wasn't as if I I talked. 
It was just songs. Um, based on that experience with podcasting, I, and, and you did another show, I believe, as well, correct? Uh, another podcast, you yeah. mean? Yeah, for a while I was, I did a podcast for Popular Science Magazine called the Popside Podcast. And were you, uh, a, and, a, was it like just a musical role or were you actually like a part of the show doing a... No, I did, I did uh, sort of, uh, I did interviews with people who were uh, connected with articles in that month's issue of the magazine. So I would, I would talk to a scientist or sometimes just a reporter who had um, written the story. Uh, so it was sort of an, sort of an interview show, but there was a little bit of a, uh, uh, the ostensibly I was doing the podcast from the moon. That was the, that was the joke. So there were, there were other things happening in that podcast as well. Okay. Um, but primarily it was an interview show. And from that, you also produced another album, and I, I don't have the title in front of me, but I didn't realize I was going back through the albums that I don't have. Which amazingly, I don't have all your albums. Uh, some of my favorite songs are actually from there, um, Better and I Feel Fantastic. I did not realize came off of that uh, was like an EP that came with the magazine. Yeah, that was the uh, idea of the Popsat editors. They wanted me to do a, um, a soundtrack from one of the issues of the magazine, so they hired me to write a bunch of songs that that were related to, to articles in the issue. So yeah, that's called our bodies, ourselves, our cybernetic arms. And I mean, it's, it remains, at least I feel fantastic. Probably one of the most challenging of your songs to sing myself when I do the karaoke version at uh, karaoke. Uh, it's uh, that. And uh, the one you did, I think for a, they might be giants uh, songwriting sort of inspired contest, Mr. Fancy pants between those two, I think, uh, you know, everyone who knows the songs are are impressed that anyone can sing them. I mean, as as well as you, not so much. But at least getting all the words out is is sort of a nice uh, a bar to to reach. <laughs> yeah, no, those ones definitely have a lot of words. I feel fantastic, as you know, as uh, uh, you know, when I play it uh, with the band, uh, it just gets it just has gotten faster and faster over the years. It's now it's now absurdly fast. You know, I listen to um. We, I put out this live album recently of, uh, you know, from shows with the band. And uh, I, <laughs> I was used to that speed. I went back and listened to the original. Uh, I feel fantastic. And I was like, wow, that's really slow. <laughs> Why do we do it so slow? <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Pat again with my pick of 2015, my favorite thing of 2015. There were a bunch of great um, TV shows and different things that were going on. But a lot of them were pickups from earlier seasons or continued through so i have a uh, really quick i enjoyed secret wars or have enjoyed secret wars so far we have one more issue to go as we're recording this or putting this together for you uh but i've talked about that a lot the other great thing that i really really enjoyed in 2015 was netflix's jessica jones i had no prior experience with Jessica Jones. I had no prior knowledge of it. And this really just captivated me. It was a great series. Very well done. Uh, definitely not your traditional Disney Marvel type of thing, but it worked really well and had me hooked. So that's my pick. Moral Oral. O-R-A-L. O-R-A-L. Oh, we don't, he's not Moral Oral. He is hashtag Immoral Oral. <laughs> Mistakes. See, I don't know if you know this, but when you're sitting down for karaoke <laughs> and you're just getting those delicious drink specials, you may make 
some poor decisions in your life. Hey, <laughs> <of> everybody. <laughs> and you still keep thinking they're really great things to do. Until <laughs> the next day, I'm just like, girl, I'm going to have to have a seat. That's why you got to take a couple more shots so you don't remember those things in the morning. I, and you know what? Sometimes I don't. But the hashtag remembers, <laughs> like Pepperidge Farm. The well, you know, remembers. a lot of people have asked me why I call myself a crossdresser for Christ. And yeah, I mean, it's a fun tongue-in-cheek kind of name. But I'm not making fun of religion. I'm born and bred Southern Baptist, so I've spent the majority of my life trying to reconcile my faith with the terrible fucking choices that I make on a daily basis. <laughs> that goes right along with that. It was a good 18 until I was 18 when I realized that all hymns don't sound like country music. <laughs> <laughs> Long as I got King Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah, or like Negro spirituals. Like, <laughs> wait in the water. Both churches were very hot, though. Mm, Whether they true. were just straight up black traditional churches or very philosophy <laughs> churches, they were very hot. Oh, God. At least there were no snakes. Oh, Jerry Springer moment. Uh, there were no snakes. Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, the ones in the blue box, a comic shop, and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to Nerdy Show. Dot com. You can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out FlameOnShow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 